Well, welcome to the ninth. We should probably stop counting now. We're well into it. People are... <laughs> but uh, welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen Anyhow. Uh, today, uh, I'm still in England and Kevin is still at Buckley Towers. And we learn that the IRS scandal is back in the news. Yeah, so they've um, had a hearing today, or they at least tried to have a little piece of a hearing, it looked like, in which they brought back in Lois Lerner, who was the uh, IRS executive at the center of the scandal of targeting Tea Party groups and uh, groups affiliated with people like Glenn Beck and other conservative organizations. And it pretty quickly broke down into a uh, shouting match between uh, Daryl Issa and, and Representative Cummings because Lerner came in and just said that she was going to plead the fifth again, even though Congress doesn't think that she is actually entitled to do so because she gave an earlier statement. And uh, so Cummings stands up and says he wants to make a procedural point and his mic gets cut off and then he starts yelling about, I'm a member of Congress, you can't treat me this way. And uh, Issa then closes the hearing. So not much progress on the case today in terms of learning new stuff about what went on. Uh, Both the Speaker and other members of Congress are talking about holding Lerner in contempt if she refuses to uh, speak about her role in the targeting of conservative organizations. And I'm glad Congress is doing this, and I think that eventually maybe the hearings may be of some use. But um, I think this is also an example of the inadequacy of Congress as an investigatory institution. Uh, What this really looks like to me and has looked like since the beginning is a criminal case. Uh, This involves the willful and intentional misuse of government resources for political ends, which is a crime, a felony in some cases, and probably ought to be investigated as such. What do you think? Well, Kevin, you're making it sound awfully like this is actually a scandal. We're being told nowadays that this isn't a scandal and never was, despite the president having said he was extremely angry about it and would be looking into it. I mean, how would that work if they if this became a criminal investigation? What is what is necessary in order to switch it as such? Well, what you would need, of course, is either a Department of Justice run by someone other than Eric Holder, who actually had the integrity to investigate this. Uh, you know, the DOJ talked about, well, we'll look at it as a criminal matter, and then just nothing ever happened, and there was never really any case. Or you would have to appoint an independent investigator. Now, I have a great deal of reservations about the special prosecutor laws that we have had in the past and our use of them. But if you are going to have that sort of an institution, this is the kind of case that it probably ought to be used for uh, when you've got what looks like widespread intentional wrongdoing by people in official capacities who are being protected by the agencies they work for. You know, one of the most outrageous things about this in our our colleague Eliana Johnson has written about this quite a bit, is that there's a law that protects uh, taxpayers from having their information disclosed. It's against the law to disclose taxpayer information. It's supposed to protect your privacy. And of course, the IRS has violated this law on any number of occasions. Uh, It disclosed uh, Mitt Romney's uh, tax returns to his political rivals. It disclosed, or there are a couple of other cases. Who am I thinking of? Maybe Christine O'Donnell and a few other people. And what the IRS has been doing is saying that uh, they can't release information to Congress about 
who leaked this stuff because of the privacy law. So they're using the privacy law to protect the people who violated the law rather than the people that it was actually designed to protect. It's kind of, uh, you know, Kafka-esque, maybe an overused adjective, but it certainly uh, seems to be the, uh, the applicable one in this case. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing is just a... Uh, it's a really dispiriting mess, and it's particularly dispiriting when you know, it's not the Department of Education. This is you know, the, one of the most powerful organizations in the federal government and one of the most dangerous ones. Yeah, and I've never really been convinced by the argument that this was inevitable given the way in which the rules are broken. It strikes me this was inevitable because the Tea Party has been maligned for so long. The general freakout over Tea Party groups as being some sort of rise of, well, anything you want to say, really. Fascism, racism, Jim Crow, the Confederacy. Um, you know, the idea that because somebody, for example, speaks out constantly against taxation, against debt, against big government, that they are suspect really does undermine the point of having uh, a free republic with guaranteed negative rights. You could say that, therefore, somebody who is constantly banging on about drug legalization should be visited by the DEA, should be given heightened scrutiny you know, by, by the DEA. Uh, you, know, you wouldn't want to have that as, a, as government policy because it would effectively chill participation. Uh, and yet the frequency with which that argument has been forwarded you know, I watch Bill Maher's show when I'm not on it sometimes, and that is their you line. You masochist, man. Why, right, why would but you that, that is their line, is that, you know, that is his line. Well, look at these guys, they sort of deserve it. Well, that astonishes me because he admits frequently on air, and I don't mind this for what it's worth, but he admits frequently on air to buying and smoking pot, which is uh, illegal outside of medicinal use in, in California. Now, are we to presume that he should be scrutinized to a higher degree because he's vocal about the drug war? No. You know, why, why would we extend the same principle to the Tea Party? I don't understand it. Yeah, you know, and on the, uh, the earlier issue, you mentioned that the question of scandal. I, um, you know, when the Benghazi thing was going on, I actually did happen to catch an episode of, of the Bill Maher show, and I don't know why, maybe, uh, might have been because Raihan was on. And uh, he kept saying over and over again, where's the scandal in this? Where's the scandal in this? And with the IRS, I have a similar sort of attitude, which is, well, maybe there isn't one. Maybe at the end of the day, there is no scandal. But that doesn't mean you don't need to investigate it. You need to investigate it and figure out what happened, who did what, and why. And then at the end of the day, it turns out that everyone behaved themselves the way they should. Then, okay, fine. Uh, now we, we know why the things that happened happened. Right. I mean, this but, isn't the um, Fish and Wildlife Service in Maine. This, yeah, is a, exactly. this is an organization that can seriously ruin people's lives. But then again, you I mean, I hate to uh, take the uh, sort of McCarthyite line here, but I do think it is a, a fair question that if there is nothing here, uh, you know, why is Lois Lerner insisting on immunity from prosecution before she'll talk to Congress? Well, about and again, happened? why did the president come out and say that he was angry if this is a nothing? Yeah, I think that the president was angry because he was made to look bad, and that's really all he uh, cares about. Speaking of things that make you angry, uh, you had a piece. You got my little transitions there, my little. I uh, do. They're, they're uh, brilliantly here. brutal. They're clever, aren't they? Clever I did enough. like your one yeah. yesterday, though. You said from rock to ad hoc. That was classy. That was that was an official red eye transition because it rhymed. So uh, <laughs> apologies to you, uh, Greg Gutfeld. Uh, you had an interesting piece on Facebook. 
and its hostility toward people like us who either have lots of guns or want to have lots of guns or uh, have lots of guns and maybe don't want necessarily federal authorities listening to this program to know about them. Tell me about your piece. Well, it, it, to be fair to Facebook, it's not actually Facebook's hostility. It is Mum's Demand Action, which is led by the entertainingly hysterical Shannon Watts, uh, and Mayors Against Illegal Guns, which seems to be collapsing, and then around 100,000 Americans who signed the Change.org petition, which is putting pressure on Facebook and, and Instagram, which it owned, to remove all pages that have to do with firearms. Now, their argument is that there are some people on these fan pages uh, who are using them to sell guns to one another, and then they're not going through the requisite background checks in states that require that, or at least uh, in federal licensed uh, dealers federally, which is which is the law. And I think this is complete nonsense. I mean, you know, firstly, what on earth does having a fan page have to do with criminal behavior? It, it, Facebook doesn't allow somebody to transact a firearm. It's just right. a communication service. I mean, you could do this over email. You could do this over uh, Twitter. You could do this uh, right. You could do this over text messages and and so on and so forth. I mean, if if we're really going to take the line that it's so tempting for people who visit pages that are on topics that interest them to start devolving into criminal behavior, then you'd probably have to take down all of the muscle car websites. You'd have to take down <laughs> uh, some of the websites that celebrate popular entertainers because you see people selling tickets against the terms and conditions and, you know, saying if you hit me up at this email address, I will email you these files, which is a copyright violation. Um, and, and you'd certainly have to take down the many, many Facebook pages that have to do with drugs, most of which, it has to be said, are full of people who are just talking about drugs, drug policy, experiences on drugs, whatever, not actually doing anything illegal, maybe talking about doing things that are illegal, but not doing anything that are illegal. But some of which I found are just openly marketplaces for people selling weed. <laughs> right. Now, I don't think that's Facebook's fault. And, I, and, I, and my conclusion, having looked into this, is that what Shannon Watts is really trying to do is get rid of all of these you know, civil society little platoon pages full of gun owners talking about guns because she wants to marginalize those things and t take them out of the mainstream. The other thing I think that they really want is to outlaw private gun sales. You know, there's nothing illegal about you selling me a gun or me selling you a gun and us not going through whatever background check process would be required if one of us were a gun dealer because neither of us is a gun dealer for the same reason. Well, that, that depends on the state. Absolutely. Well, that's true. But in most cases, right. uh, most, most states allow, allow private sales any more than if I sold you a copy of a book that's sitting on my desk, I would have to go register as a business and get a tax license and, and do all the rest of this stuff. And I think really their, their ultimate aim here is to uh, end the private sale of guns and to require that the only way guns change hands is through a, a federal firearms dealer. Right, and that, that's precisely what it is. And if they wish to do that, then that's their prerogative. But the reality is there are a host of websites um, that are solely set up to facilitate exchanges between you know, legal private parties. More to the point, even if you outlawed those websites somehow, uh, you know, it's not, as you say, illegal in most instances to contact somebody and to organize a trade of a firearm. So what are you going to do? Are you going to start regulating Facebook's messages? You know, say you take down all of their pages on this topic. Are you going to start regulating Facebook's messages for the word gun or sale? Are you going to start taking 
you know, a censored, censored line towards Twitter or even to email? Are you going to put pressure on Google and say, listen, I don't want anybody agreeing to sell firearms through their private email account that you host? How far do you take it? You know, it really, it really does show a, a hysterical, uh, in the old sense of that word, worldview. Yeah. Um, to, and as to, a practical matter, of course, it's not really an achievable thing. I mean, prostitution is illegal most places in this country. And I have it on pretty good authority that you can, you know, go to Backpage.com and possibly find some advertisements <laughs> for prostitution. Uh, you know, it does seem to be a, a rumor to that effect. But I did have one question I wanted to ask you about this, which is the most relevant one. I mean, never mind the policy stuff. I want to know which gun fan pages on Facebook you're currently following. Actually, I don't really use Facebook. Uh, I'm not a big Facebook guy. As people who follow me on Twitter will know, I'm a very prolific Twitter user. <laughs> um, so I follow quite a lot of uh, gun accounts. In fact, if people on Twitter want to follow a great gun account, you should follow The Gunwire. It's at The Gunwire. He's, uh, he's on top of everything. It's basically Drudge Report for gun stories, and, and he doesn't discriminate by political viewpoint. He just puts them up there. So if you want to keep on top of it, The Gunwire. So I'm giving you a chance here to talk about your favorite guns, and you're you're promoting someone's Twitter account. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but um, but if, but if there were one you were following, what would it be? What's in your uh, in your sights, so to speak, these days? Oh, uh, specific guns. Yeah. Oh, I'm a sig. I'm a sig guy. You know, I think they're they're well built. They're heavy. They're they're beautiful to look at. Uh, so I'd be uh, I'd be following Sig Sauer, and unfortunately, where I live, I can't buy an AR-15. But the Bushmaster AR-15 is uh, I'm lusting after one of those. So perhaps when I make my inevitable move to a free estate, that's the first thing I'll buy. And where are you in your process of getting legal with uh, carrying? I'm still waiting. Stuff? I'm still. It's been almost four months. I went through the process. You know, I ticked all the boxes. And I'm four months. And you know, you know what really irritates me about that? It's not that I'm particularly impatient as a person, and it's not also that I'm in any danger. I don't live in the ghetto. But suppose that you did. I mean, four months, it's not just me that has to wait four months. It's everyone who applies now in Connecticut. You can't buy a firearm in Connecticut unless you get the, uh, unless you get the permit. You can't, literally can't buy one. Not, right. It's not just about carrying. Now, I presume that you do live in a dangerous area. Maybe you live on your own. Maybe you have a child. What are you going to do if there's a four-month wait? Are you going to wait or are you going to buy one illegally? I mean, I'm never going to go and buy one illegally because I don't need to and I wouldn't anyway. But I wouldn't blame people, frankly, who yeah. said, you know, this, is, this system is, is really keeping me down. And a lot of people don't realize there are bad parts of Connecticut. Oh, there are horribly bad parts. Of <laughs> well, there's bad parts of everywhere. But yeah, East Hartford is not pretty. No, it's really not. But, of course, you're one step closer there to being able to uh, exercise your rights than you are where you are currently sitting. Uh, well, absolutely, and where you're currently sitting, actually. I've sort well, of, that's true. We're, we're both kind of screwed. You are. I moved, I moved very, very gradually. I, I think eventually I'm going to end up in somewhere like Vermont or Wyoming where there are no laws at all. England to New York to Connecticut. Where's next? Texas? Florida? Well, you know, I've, I've been talking about Pennsylvania. Oh, that's and, a good uh, state. That's a good state. You know. We could, uh, you could, you could, you could reasonably commute to New York from some parts of, of Pennsylvania if you had to. Something to keep in mind. Absolutely.